Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day for a really, really fantastic interview, I know that. And you know why I know that? Because most of my stars, my guests, have got a story of trauma, and that trauma often starts very, very early in childhood. And I do not know a single father who does not regret how he brought up his children and how how he was not there for them or when he was there he was tired and maybe drunk and maybe drugged and maybe full of anger and resentment. There's not one story that I listen to that has not these two components. So would it not be nice to actually focus on that? Would it not be nice to somehow find ways how we can focus on these young munchkins and how we can learn what really to focus on when it comes to young children, when it comes to building up resilience, or in, in reality, you know, it is, it is much easier to build up strong young people than to repair broken adults. Because the broken adults come to this show. Let's actually make sure that we don't repeat that story and here we are. I've got Marcy Pusey with me. Marcy, thank you so much for coming onto my show because this is going to be a really, really important topic. Thank you so much. Aww, thanks for having me. I don't take it lightly that you've entrusted me with your audience. And so I'm excited to, to dig in and, mm. and uh, yeah, support mm. them in any way. And I know these conversations always continue to strengthen and grow us too. So I look forward to that also. And in all fairness, I, I need that because um, yeah. I have got a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old and they, whilst I am clean and sober now about seven years, um, the time before that has left its trauma, more so than I like to to acknowledge. And even last night we had some actually very traumatic discussions yeah. and revelations where my attempts of making amends are challenging to me. So therefore, if there's so much regret in me uh, about my actions, about having left my my young son alone because I preferred a bottle over him. And mm -hmm. that was that was just brutal. So let's talk about and, and and there of course I was thinking, yeah, yeah, they are fine, they're sitting somewhere, but they were abandoned ultimately. So let's actually talk about that. Let's actually yeah. figure out, I mean, how did you get into that very important subject? What is your story? What was your catalyst that drove you to seek more information on that topic? Yeah, oh, such a good question. I was raised in a low-income family in Southern California where we lived on welfare. And um, my parents married coming from backgrounds that had not been spoken healthy things over them either. So they came from really broken, dysfunctional, painful homes, come together and have me. Like I was born 11 months after they got married. So there wasn't a whole lot of time to figure out how to be healthy adults together before I enter the picture. And um, they did their best they, with what they had. Don't we all like try to do our best with what we have, but, but I, 
for me to grow up in that situation, I really took on a role of parenting or at the very least taking care of myself and being as little of a burden as possible. I could see that life was hard from them from the beginning. And I didn't want to add to anyone's plate of difficulty. And so that developed in me perfectionism that developed in me independence, which I value, but, but like a self-reliance independence too young. Like I still needed to be taken care of and I wasn't in the ways that I needed to be. And so as I grew into adulthood and I eventually got married and had children, the only thing I knew how to do was to keep everyone around me happy so that I could feel safe and so that I could feel lovable. And anyone who's dealt with any level of codependency right away is like, that's me, that's me, because that's what it did. And so that led me into abusive situations where that was exploited in me to the detriment of my own soul, but also I modeled that for my kids. So my, my addiction was less chemical, it directly chemical. It was chemical inside of my brain, the adrenaline and the dopamine and the endorphins that would get released um, in the aftermath of a rage or of, of weeks of silence, because then there would come this love bombing that would somehow, you know, fulfill the other end of that trauma bond. Like, so my brain began to compute that, that love and connection always follow hard things. And so if I could fix the hard things and and keep everyone pacified, then, then I would be okay. Um, But I wasn't, I wasn't okay. And then in the midst of that, we actually fostered children through our foster system in California. We adopted two of those kids. So I was surrounding myself with people who had personality disorders and an inability to be healthy of their own accord. And I then only knew how to bring my codependency into that and say, okay, well, if I can fix you, the foster child, then you'll reflect back to me, my value that I'm a good human because I rescued you. Right. Or because I, because you, you got saved and and I was part of that. So that makes me a good person. And I was just constantly looking for this validation. So in the midst of that, I, I'm, dying. Like, you know how our our brains and our bodies and everything sort of work holistically together. And so maybe cognitively, I I thought I was doing okay, but my body started to break down and I started to not be able to function without sleeping long, long hours. And, and so in in the same way, there's seasons of life, life where I feel my kids, my younger kids were abandoned because I was, I couldn't, couldn't function. There was a good year and a half. I say that I slept And I was living overseas in Germany at the time. So the doctors there were just saying, well, yeah, you have four kids. You're tired. (laughs) Like, this feels like a different kind of tired. Like, you know, this feels different. And eventually um, they, they gave me some medication to help. They said it was just a bridge over this time. And I've been on and off of that at different time periods, but now I'm in a divorce situation, um, that abruptly brought us back from living overseas, ripped my kids out of the home that they knew the friendships they've been raised with because I've chosen to be healthy because at some point my brain, body, soul had enough, had a trauma response. That was like a catalyst and everything that being drawn to the pit of my soul is what has caused me to really dive in and understand trauma, codependency, resilience, um, why people treat other people the way they do. You know, how did my adopted kids and my foster kids become how they are? How do my friends who adopted from birth still have children who act so much like mine that I got at eight or nine or 10 years old? And so for the last number of years, 
I've been diving into that to understand it so that I could bring some level of healing to those around me first, because that's my, my default. But then as a result, <laughs> right, as a result, I'm like, oh, this is me. I fit in here. My background isn't therapy. I'm a trauma um, and resilience certified practitioner. I've got yeah, certified rehabilitation counselor. I can see it in everyone else first, but like a week into my own stuff, I'm like, oh, oh, I know what this is called. This is generalized anxiety. You know, like, <laughs> so I don't think of a long answer, but it is. It's from that beginning of just being put in a position of, again, those weren't even words directly spoken over me. I was just in an environment where I picked up a message that if I could be as little of a burden as possible, then I could be worthy of love. And that just carried with me through my whole life. In my book, Steps to Sobriety, I, there's a little chapter called uh, The Silent Generation. And with that, I'm not referring to the, the people born straight after the World War. Uh, no, it is it is those children that are born into either abusive or, or uh, often addicted mm-hmm. families because yeah. they have learned, they 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 have learned this hyper vigilance to be constantly aware, yeah. better not say a word, because they don't yeah. know if they get praise or they get they get, worst, um, slapped. So, it is such a normal response, and it is yet. So stifling, if you think about it, what it does to to a young child, we are we are teaching them by modeling, by showing them, we are teaching yeah. them such bad values, and yeah. I mean you have been blessed and cursed by your own yeah. childhood, but here you are, you are, Marcy, you are going out there. You have actually done the hard work. You have actually felt the pain. But then said, no, that's not all right. And now now you're trying to find ways of yeah. understanding it So and then do something about it and maybe teach others, which is, wow, which is fantastic. When did that journey start? When was the first time that you were able to seek help? When did the realization start? Yeah, I think probably only about six years ago when I couldn't not be sleeping. I had a kindergartner, elementary schooler, middle schoolers. And and my goal was like, just to be able to function, especially when my older two kids came home. So right now they're 22, 21. And then I have 14 and 12 year old. And I had all of them in the same exact 20 months. Like I didn't get to spread those out like it seems. So I just all of a sudden became a mom of four plus other kids we fostered. (laughs) And those older kids specifically just had so, I mean, I don't want to give away too much of their story, but there's just, there's some diagnosable things that have been untreated for a long time. And, and so that just leads to them living just by default because they haven't had the recovery experience to live in another way. And then I'm still like showing up to those relationships, trying to get my value out of their recovery, (laughs) but I didn't know enough about the brain and trauma at the time to understand how my way of doing that. And I think the way most of us might approach it, um, was actually triggering some of the trauma rather than, than healing it. So specifically with people who've come from abandonment trauma from very, very young, that brain rewires to believe that anyone who's supposed to take care of them, who's supposed to be there for them, won't and will actually cause them harm. And so their brain rewires to believe that, which means any demonstration of love from, from a, a really safe person actually triggers their fight or flight. Because that original mother or father figure didn't do their job. And now every 
father and mother figure that follows sort of recreates that traumatic experience in that child. So when we show up, like, I'm going to be the mom you never had. I'm going to pour out my unconditional love on you. And that is going to heal you because you just need love, love, love. Like there's nothing wrong with that. So I'll don't hear what I'm not saying that we shouldn't love them or demonstrate love. But what I didn't understand is that I was looking for some kind of validation through their behavior that I was loving them enough. And when they were just living from a place of being constantly triggered and feeling unsafe, you know, I'm seeing that as a reflection of me. I must not be loving them enough. Well, shoot, how do I, how do I love them better? It's so I'm pouring, 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 pouring into these very cracked vessels, not understanding that I, there, I could not have my expectations be that. My expectation had to be, I know love matters. It's going to look a little differently how I need to demonstrate it to them, but there is in no way a reflection of my value based on how they process life as they grow up. And so it was in there, in that really messy middle of what's wrong with my love. You know, my husband's over here saying it's not enough and I'm a bad parent, bad wife, bad all the things. The kids are kind of showing me that with their not being healed (laughs) behavior. And then I've got these other two birth children, like trying to find their place in the midst of it all. And that is when I broke. Like I, I, my, my therapist at the time said, Marcy, you expired. Like all of your own survival skills expired. And I think that's exactly what it felt like that the things I had been doing from childhood to, to earn a sense of validation and value in work, like we're constantly coming back empty. And that was a constant message that I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. When the reality was, I just didn't have the information I needed to be able, the information I needed and the level of healing I needed to be able to separate my value from how everyone around me was showing up. That's when I dug in and did the work. Wow. Fuck me. Um, wow. <laughs> so many, so many things where I can completely say, yeah, yeah. You know, it's sometimes there's crazy how your words, which are very eloquent and far better than mine, how they just come out and you think, yeah, they could have spoken out of my soul. And there's yeah. so many things there that, that, are so important. I think, I mean, I mean, since I'm in the middle of, of making amends and this will be a lifelong thing after all, when, yeah. you know, when you're coming out of an addiction, when you're coming out of, out of, uh, traumatic circumstances, uh, yourself, then there will have been times when that you're not so proud of where, you yeah. know, you have stuffed up and therefore making amends is so important. And, and, the, the principle of living amends, of actually turning around and becoming the person that you truly want to be with integrity, humility, but being being a good person, a good human being, uh, even then when no one is looking. Now, that is, that is I think, one of the, the key principles. If you can become that, then you can become a person who you can love and yeah. who proves to you that, yeah, I, there's a self-worth, there's self-love. There is, wow, did I do that? That kind of a person. And yeah. that is just beautiful. And it's that emotional bank account. Because if if you don't nurture that person in yourself, there's the other person that says, well, you're a piece of shit, aren't you? You are 
you're nasty piece of work. And if then someone actually tells you or reflects on you about those bad things in the past, that's brutal. So how did you deal with criticism? Because in those discussions, by, by showing the love to a young person who is already broken, they sometimes fire back. They come back with words they don't, sometimes they don't even mean. Yet, they're, they're, they have no idea how it is to express their emotions. And suddenly these emotions come out and they are brutal. They are like a, like a whip with, 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 with bloody nails in it. Uh, that's how much it hurt me. How do you deal with that? That's so good. It's, even as you're talking, I, I, can, I can feel it again in my body, even though I'm so distanced from it. And so um, it's interesting to be aware of that. Like it does impact us and me. And even as I've grown and reached, I, I think a tremendous level of healing, um, words still hurt. And I, I'm trying now to filter like whose words get to hurt and whose don't, <laughs> you know, like who gets that privilege of speaking to me in a way that I get to integrate and who doesn't, but even reflecting back on those years, um, I just, I handled it at the time, believing the messages that I heard internally in my own head, just the messages that I had developed and believed. Um, and then I had, yeah, voices in my home, like <laughs> kind of ganging up with the message in my head, all saying, see, it's true. You're not good enough. You, you are a piece of shit. Like all the mm -hmm. things. Um, I remember the one morning waking up, I, I don't, I, if I had pixie dust for this, I'd be a millionaire, but like, I just woke up one morning and I was like, I'm a good mom. Like I'm a really good mom. I pour and pour and I foster communication, um, independence, trust. Like I, I love to come along as a, as a coach. I don't like the hierarchical, like I'm the boss. You have to do what I say. Like, I, I really like to be able to reason through things. I, it, it matters to me that kids would feel heard, even if they're still wrong, that they could be heard. And then I worked hard to be able to be wrong because I, I am. And I think there's a lot of adults who are just like, nope, this is the way I see it. That is the way. And man, there've been times where my kids can give me more information and I go, oh, that actually changes things, changes how I want to respond to it. But if I didn't listen and I was just taught, you know, all that to say, um, so there was a morning where I just kind of woke up into that for the first time in my life. And I realized, oh, I am a good mom. My kids now have a choice. They can choose to engage the relationship I'm offering or not. But their decision actually has no impact on whether or not I'm a good mom. I really just woke up into this. And so I even shared that with one of the kids. I was like, oh my gosh, you have such a good mom. And you know what? I'm here for you. You just let me know when you need it or want it. Like here I am. And it, and it created, maybe even that was a form of a trauma response, like a kind of dissociation, but that actually hmm. served me to be able to separate myself enough emotionally from their decisions and their lives, even young, hmm. to say, I'm not changed based on how you're growing up with this disorder, which was not their fault, right? That was early childhood abandonment for them. Uh, but here you are trying to navigate it. And I've been trying to react from a place of like, I need you to show me my value, but no, not anymore. Cause I know, I know that I'm a good mom, not a perfect mom, but I feel like perfect moms aren't relatable anyway. Nobody can relate to that. That actually creates distance, right? But a good mom, 
is relatable and she knows how to apologize and make amends. I don't have many memories of being apologized to as a child. This is just my memory. Maybe my parents will have different memories, but don't remember being apologized to when I knew that my parents were in the wrong. And so I've made it a value of mine to be quick to apologize when I need to and to ask forgiveness and to make amends and to keep going. So that was one thing was just sort of waking up one day. Another thing was in my codependency, I reached out to a coach who was also a coworker who is certified in Clifton Strengths, Myers-Briggs, and does a lot of, of good psychological personality work. And I actually reached out to say like, oh, maybe this is the thing I haven't understood that could help my relationship with my husband finally be better. You know, I, as that codependent, I'm constantly looking for like, what is the thing I'm doing wrong that I can find and fix to do right. So I reached out to say, Hey, maybe it's my personality type and his personality type. Like, how does this type talk to this type? And his response was, you know what, let's get on a call and really dig into yours first. Let's look at who you are and how you've been wired. And I see that as design in my faith expression. I believe that there, that God has created me a way. So that kind of gives me a grounding too. Like it's not just, I, I've been made this way. So we sat for a few hours and he talked to me about me. And for the first time in my life, I saw that things that had been constantly criticized were actually part of my design. Like they were, they were part of me. They couldn't be bad if they'd been put there. And yet the voices had constantly said, you know, your quirkiness is bad. Your playfulness is bad. You're, you're waiting to the last minute to do things is bad. Like, you know, and even our American culture specifically is, is actually the opposite type from me. So I'm living in a culture that values things externally that are not how I've been made. And I didn't, I didn't know that. I just was constantly showing up like not good enough, right? Not good enough, not good enough. And for the first time I got to look at how I was made and say, oh my gosh, this is, there's space for me. And there's other people like me. I've been trying to be a hammer banging nails into the wall. And I just learned I'm a spoon. I'm a really dinged up spoon because I've been trying to nail nails into a wall, but I've been made to scoop things, you know, and it, it just like opened my eyes to the fact that there's space for me as I am. Mm. It also showed me where I'm already strong and how to lead into my strengths, but it also showed me there's parts of me that are underdeveloped that will always be underdeveloped because that's just, there's my strengths and there's my weaknesses. And and the goal is it to make every weakness the same strength as my strengths, but to recognize where do I need other people? to come alongside me in those places where I can now see I'm never going to be strong. So stop trying to bang the nails in the wall, right? I need the hammers in my life. And what was so fascinating about it was I went to this coach to help me understand a relationship dynamic. And what I walked away with was I have value and I have worth. And that actually changed every, every single relationship I have, (laughs) even though nobody around me changed. My husband did not change. In fact, if there's been a change, it hasn't been for the better in my experience. My, uh, my older two kids have not changed. They're, they're older now, but they're still living their lives and have not chosen to have a healthy relationship with me. But I no longer need them to. Like I walked away from that conversation for the first time going, oh, my worth and value cannot come from other people. I actually have it right here in my car that I'm sitting in. I have it in my car. So those two things created this emotional distance, but this health for me to be able to show up and genuinely give and pour out and be who I am 
but I don't need anything back from anyone. It's the healthiest I've ever had in all of my relationships. And literally no one around me has changed. <laughs> Only me. <laughs> and it, that is, that is, it sounds, it sounds saccharine sweet uh, for, for a critic or for someone who has not done the work to start healing yourself. Uh, yeah. And in some people, some viewers will sound it, will say that's bullshit. What a crap! But I think <laughs> that they will they will say that because yeah. they are still hurting, and yeah. they, they, there's a lot of trauma in your own needs yes. not being fulfilled, yeah. especially when yeah. you don't know what your own needs are. Often, yeah. yes, isn't it? So we are before someone opens your eyes, before someone holds a mirror in front of your face and you begin learning about these kind of things, you don't know what your needs are. You just... Well, like uh, I said, yeah. I didn't even go there for help for the thing I needed. Mm. I went there to fix a relationship dynamic as a codependent, mm. but in the process, found what I needed. But I didn't even go there to fix... Like, I didn't even know... To your point, I did not know what I needed. I did not go there to fix or fill the need I had. I went there for my codependency to continue <laughs> trying to fix a relationship problem, but I walked away with my worth and value. Which is beautiful. But, you know, there's there's a really important word you said, journey, process, okay? Yes. This is not just one ah, one session and let's say, yeah, I'm, I'm now I know everything. That doesn't I, work like that. Worked. How long did your journey last or when did it start? Because yeah. you're still on it. So I'm still on it. Yeah. I think about three years ago and I have been constantly coached ever since. So we had that initial thing that did radically change for me. And then in that, in the process, I began to grow less tolerant of mistreatment. I didn't know how to respond to it yet. I just felt it inside of me, this discomfort with being yelled at or, hold certain things or ignored. And I didn't know what to do with it. So I was really just sitting with the discomfort going, Oh, this feels new. Like this feels new. <laughs> and I continued to be coached through the process. And, and then life continued to happen and give me new opportunities to practice this being who I am in the midst of a lot of traumatic events, right? A lot, like in those three years, um, Yeah, I had another trauma response related to my marriage relationship. We ended up getting four weeks notice to move from Germany, where we'd been living for nine years, back to the U.S., came back separated, now in a divorce. Like, all of that has happened in the same three years that I've been getting coaching around my, my worth and healing. And so I think that's an example sometimes of how the challenges in our lives are what develop our character and absolutely our resilience. Um, the cush life wouldn't have taken, wouldn't have transformed me like I am today because I've had to take that learning to my survival. <laughs> like I've had to take it with me into my survival places, like the deepest pits of my soul where I wasn't sure how I would survive emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, and hang on to those, those little bits that I was learning about how I've been made and, and how can I show up in the world. And so I stumble along. Um, but, but because I've had such 
intense <laughs> because I've had such an intense opportunity to practice what I'm learning. I think I've seen that transformation so exponentially. Like there's so much I'm grieving right now about the life that ha- that is suddenly really different. Um, but at the same time, like I said, I have the healthiest relationships I've ever had in my life because I'm just showing up for them and getting to be genuine without needing them to give me my value because I've been developing that. Like when you've literally had everything stripped away. And I think a lot of your viewers have, or are there right now, that's when you can see yourself most honestly. And it's not always pretty in the pit, what we see, but when you've got community, healthy community around you Mm. who can speak the truth of what is in you to you, like I did with this coach and friend, um, man, Man, that's a leg up. That's probably a whole other conversation. Just healthy community who can remind us of who we are. And then our ability to filter out who's healthy community and who's not. That's very, very important, isn't it? But it just shows the journey from yeah. from trauma in, in yeah. the past. And often it's not just one trauma, traumas that keep building up. And because yeah. every disappointment, every, every need that is not being fulfilled in yourself becomes its own little micro trauma or normal trauma. I don't know if you can say trauma if it's small or big. For you, it is big uh, and it leaves a scar, a mental scar somewhere. So it keeps coming and sometimes it keeps coming as fast as as raindrops you will get wet it will hit you um and it is beautiful and yet daunting to listen to you but it is a beautiful thing so you're at a moment you're rolling with the punches you have got all those responses happening in you that that kind of subconscious, just below even any any awareness, you you feel how your body is being triggered by certain looks, certain words, certain actions, certain situations. All of them will trigger you left, right, and center. I think the the thing with us survivors is we can actually see what is happening. We can see the anger, the resentment, the, 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 all these negative emotions, the shame, the guilt, all boiling yeah. up. And the difference, I guess, between today me and 10 years ago me, I do no longer respond to them in the way I did in the past. Uh, I do no longer shoot from the hip um, and yes. become angry and become mean uh, because I feel so hurt. Ultimately, this a lot of angry men out there are angry and mean because they feel betrayed, they feel abandoned, they feel traumatized. That is, yeah. their needs are not being met. And I yeah. think that is the that is really what what healing is is finally recognizing what do you need. Yes. And are you are, are you actually setting the scene so you can receive what yeah. you want? And I, I, you're on to such a good point because regardless of how we've been sort of manifesting our injuries, um, we numb out somewhere. 
right? So for me as a codependent, I wasn't allowed to feel anything negative without some kind of retaliation. I couldn't have a need because a need communicated to my spouse that there was a deficit on his end when no, I just, I just have a need. And to your point, like, yeah, he came, we were like the perfect storm. He just brought all of his childhood injury and an abandonment to our relationship. And I wrote all my codependency and it was, it was like that. <laughs> um, but there are parts, like I'm learning how to be angry. Hmm. I have not been allowed to be angry. What could I do with anger hmm. in a volatile situation? Hmm. And so for me, it's, it's letting myself feel that. And then it's so uncomfortable. And then what do I do with it when I feel it? Cause there's literally been nothing appropriate that I've ever been taught as a codependent that I could do with it. Hmm. You know, and then there's other people like you're communicating who come and only know how to show that anger, but don't know how to feel the sadness and the grief beneath it. That's what they've died to. Mm. Anger is really acceptable in in some cultures and men Mm. and not in women. And and even that gets like, well, what does it look like to be a man who can be in touch with the grief, the sadness, the losses that are feeding that anger, which feels better because you get to be in control, it feels like, right? Or... Or for me, yeah, it's real easy to sort of sit in the, the grief and the sadness. It's not easy. It's painful. But at least it's acceptable. It's expected. I know what to do with it. But when that turns into anger because it's not being resolved, yeah. then I'm a bad person, right? The temptation is like, I'm a bad person. I just felt anger. You know, so I think for whoever is listening, the one of the first steps is just what does it look like to begin to listen to yourself more more deeply than you have. For me, that was also body awareness. I started having panic attacks. I'd never had those. I, as a clinician, I knew what they were, but when I had my first one, I was like, Oh, you really do feel like you're dying. Oh, this does. I, I might be dying. I don't. And I had not learned to listen. So even in my prayers, I was like, God, is it really that bad? Is it really this abusive? Is it really? And I just heard like your body's answering your questions. Your body is telling you it was that bad. Panic attacks are the result of a disrupted flight response. So you get triggered into your fight or flight. My body chose flight, but it got thwarted, right? Somewhere in my flight processing in my brain, um, my, my brain determined that we didn't get to finish the flight. I got stuck, which turns into a freeze, which turns into anxiety and panic attacks and all these things. Yeah. If I hadn't slowed down to ask my body, how do you feel about the experience that you've been having? Instead of just listening to my head and like, have you heard of self gaslighting where you can, you don't even need someone else to gaslight you. You can diminish and excuse all of the hard things happening to you for yourself. Like it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. So pull up your pants and, or, you know, trousers, <laughs> whatever they are, pull them up <laughs> and be a big, person. Whereas your body is like yelling at you. Like I'm scared. Uh, I'm sad. I feel like I'm in danger. Listen uh, to me. And I did not know how to listen to my body. <clears throat> so when I began to slow down and pay attention, like the fact that earlier I could say, Oh, I feel that in my body. That is just the direct result of a lot of practice of having to be in the moment going, Oh, I feel something. What is that? What is it that I'm feeling? Where is it? What is it trying to tell me? <laughs> Cause I've ignored it for so long. And so that may not be the case for every listener, but there's something you've died to in order to survive, in order to feel functional. And, and I would say a really healthy first step would just be bring your curiosity to that. 
the next time you feel triggered or irritated or uncomfortable or critical, like any of these feelings that surface up are trying to communicate something to you instead of being like, oh, why are you so critical? Or, oh, you're being angry again. Just don't yell. Like bring your curiosity. Well, why do I feel angry right now? And start to wake up to the things that maybe you've been dead to. Which is so yeah, like how does that resonate with you? Because I we've got the opposite experience as far as like I'm learning to be angry. You're learning to be angry in a different, healthier way. Like, does uh, that resonate with you? Yes, very much so, very much so. And it is amazing because it is. I'm often joking that it's impossible for my wife and me to have a good row anymore because we we have developed that self-awareness and the ability to say, look, what your words are actually doing is bang. Mm -hmm. That is how I feel about it. And uh, often it just shows how we both have been traumatized in the past and that her perception of, of what I really said um, is very different. Or I didn't realize the way I said it was actually very aggressive or resentful, uh, etc. So she holds the mirror in front of my face. And I say, huh, okay. Um, and this, this moment of waiting, recognizing, huh, is actually beautiful. The other thing is that self-awareness about your emotions. I, I want to, I want to pick that up. And, and again, uh, second, it, uh, it is so important that you actually take any emotion that is coming as a message from your body. So yes. you need to figure out, hang on, what is your body actually trying to tell you? First of all, yeah. accept it as a message. Don't accept yeah. it as complete fact and truth. If you're angry as hell with, let's say, a child, why are you angry with that child? Yes, it has just spilled the milk. But why are you angry? At another time, you would love about it and help it to, to wipe it up. Yet here, you want to fly off the handle. Why is that? And often enough, it's the same triggers that, that lead to relapse. The hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt, uh, those kind of things. So what is actually happening in yourself? Did you look after yourself in the hours leading up to that incident? Did you actually, what did you do to, to create some self-worth? What was the, what did you put into your own emotional bank account? How did you treat yourself? And because there will no doubt, there will be emails, there will be glances, there will be drivers who cut you off on the road. There will be so much crap happening in a normal day. And there might have been times when you have been heading towards burnout and then even smaller things are yeah. completely rattling you. And then yeah. it's the, the uh, when your child then spills the milk and you suddenly want to scream. That scream is, is a need for you. It is, that scream is a message, um, but not that the child has fucked up. Yes, it has spilled the milk, but so what? Uh, no, it is, it is your body screaming, please look after yourself. Just take a moment, step away from it all. And I think that's, that's the key thing. If you, we have talked about um, what these things do to us, but I think for me, the biggest thing was that I've learned to step away. To yes. actually not respond in the heat of the moment, but actually to just say, look, uh, 
give me a moment. I just need to step out. And I've modeled that in recent uh, in recent years. Last night I had a very heated discussion with yeah. someone and we both used that technique um, where first he removed himself, came back to mm -hmm. the table and then I had to remove myself because I was... Um, I actually didn't want to be hurt anymore um, by by words that were so stinging that that I I and I needed to get up and and I did so but I didn't get up in the ha I don't talk to you anymore yeah. none of that kind of thing but I said look I'm sorry I have to excuse myself and everyone knew what was going on and it's good at least I did not aggravate things at least I did not. Uh, add now insults or responses from the hip which are often hurtful and mean and create their own trauma so at least I didn't add onto the trauma and for that I'm grateful yeah uh, I love that you brought that back to parenting because we started that with you know what does it look like to build into our kids from young and be intentional with with how we're speaking to them and raising them up. And I love one that it's never too late. I know that you're grieving missed years where you didn't know these things and didn't have the self-awareness and, and injured, but you're doing it now and they're watching you. And that matters. And now it's their responsibility to make decisions about what they're going to do with the change and what they're going to do with the grief of their past, but it's not too late. So I think that's really important wherever you are in your journey, amends and doing things different are always today. Like, let's do it today. I love also what you said about bringing, like slowing down in the moment and being aware of what and why you're feeling what you are and recognizing that some days you're going to have more capacity for spilled milk than other days. And even that is a sign that it's not really the spilled milk, right? It's the fickleness really of our emotional response to things. And how much we've already got on our plate. And that is something that I've started to do in my parenting. Or, yeah, at some point I started. Um, I, I've been doing it a little while. Is just recognizing how my body language communicates. How my tone communicates. My shortness. My like, We're always communicating. And, and yet, if we're not there to participate in the storytelling of what we're communicating, then our kids just take on a message like I did right? I'm too much. I need to be light. But, but now I'm catching myself when I'm just irritated and I'm being like nitpicky. Now I see that as something in me. And I actually will just say that to my kids. Hey, you guys, it's, it's actually not you. I'm just feeling right now extra irritated. And while it is important for you to clean up after yourself, that's not new. And it does matter. <laughs> um, if you're feeling in my body or seeing on my face that, that like, you're in bigger trouble. Like, no, I think I'm just processing something. I'm going to take some time with that. I still need you to clean up your mess, <laughs> but I apologize. Right. If I was too quick to speak and not listen or didn't pause to say, Hey, have you had something going on today? That's delayed this chore, whatever it is being able to like over communicate. Actually, I end up over communicating because I want to leave as little space as possible for them to make up a story about why I'm showing up the way I am. So it might just be, you know what? I'm tired. So here are the options. I can take a nap 
and you can be alone for, I mean, my kids are 14 and 12 now, so they can be alone while I nap, but I'm like, I can take a nap and you can have a happy, excited, like friendly mama later, or I can stay up with you and help with your homework and be grumpy mama. Which one do you want? (laughs) You know, putting out some of those choices, but just being so aware of my own self that I can bring that out into our conversation. And then I've seen them start to do that too. Like, Oh mom, I'm sorry. I snapped at you. I'm just, I'm just tired. I realized I read too late last night and it's that communication where we can stop making up the stories about why we're experiencing the other person the way we are and, and live we're healthy together, you know? And again, there's like humility that comes with it to say, Oh man, I feel this irritation in me that came out and that spilled out on you. This still matters, but it didn't need to come out this way. That's just because I need to go take care of myself because <laughs> I haven't, you know, whatever it might be. So I love that you touched on that. Cause I think that's something so important that we can do to build health and do our kids is just to be honest about where we're coming from and not just storm through the house. Cause we're whatever. And then leave our kids trying to make up stories about why we're storming through the house. Oh, that's so beautifully said. So beautifully said. And sometimes you just have to be careful um, that communication is really only 5% verbal. Uh, it is 95% is nonverbal. Uh, there was a scenario two weeks ago where I had asked my children to wash up for about four days straight and nothing had occurred. And then when I walked into the kitchen, I saw my wife washing up and my son just standing there behind her doing nothing. And I I think my, my face spoke wonders and my fists <laughs> went like that. And wow. I didn't say anything to my son, but I, I and it was down, sorry, next to me, uh, not, not up here. It was yeah. just next to me, uh, holding myself down. And uh, I asked my wife, why are you washing up? And that was all I said. And that, that was pretty much the end of the discussion. And then I walked uh, out uh, without acknowledging anyone and walked to work. What the message that my son understood was, here is that making a fist, threatening me with violence. Mm. And I thought, what the fuck? Where's that coming from? But um, that was the message that he understood. He saw that, yep. that clenched fist and my very assertive and stern voice towards my wife. And yeah. it is, wow. And he was actually quite traumatized yeah. uh, by that perception. Yeah. And I certainly yeah. did not mean it this way. And I explained to him, this was me holding my anger in because I so did not want to shout at you after four days of please wash up, please wash up, please wash up. Um, and it is so important so guys please learn from from it it is so hard to stay in control of your own reactions uh because that was literally what it was was it justified that my anger yes because sometimes there are situations where your loved ones are absolute entitled little shits um and that is just a fact Okay, it's it's not all you guys. Only because you're on a, on a, on a journey of self discovery and 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 healing yourself. Now, don't take on everything that is happening out there as oh, it's all it's all me. No, 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 no. Okay, so but that's the hard thing, and that's I guess where so the, here I've got I've got a little engraving there which you can't see. But guess yeah. what? It starts with God. 
grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And it is, you need to make a call. And you can only make that call in such a situation if you practice it. If you yeah. if you have practiced all your life coming out with anger and shouting and yeah. and self-defense, essentially, mm -hmm. then that's the only thing you, you know how to do. And I think And you can come back to it. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. like you said, you came back to it. In the moment, the conversation didn't happen. And mm -hmm. a lot of people would just brush that under the rug. But but one or both of you, well, you both ended up being able to come back to it mm -hmm. and communicating what was really going on. And you yeah. both learned something in that moment. And I think that's another important thing for your audiences. Okay, you missed it in the moment. Maybe it was 10 years ago, but you mm -hmm. can come back around and say, hey, you know what? I realize that maybe this was communicated in this way or in reverse, like to your point, yes, our kids mm -hmm. give us lots of cause to be justifiably angry. And I recently even sat mine down and, and just had a conversation around like, hey, let me talk about the stories that I'm tempted to make up when you do these things. So for example, same thing, right? Like clean up after yourself. When you don't, the story that I make up is that you think I'm your maid, that you get to just live here in this community and not contribute at all, and that you don't see me as an actual like human, but as your cleanup lady. And I don't, I don't, is that the story? Is that the story that you mean to, to give me when you can, you know? And so it gives them an opportunity also to say, oh no, I was just being lazy. Like I just didn't want to do it. I wasn't trying to tell you that you're not human. But wow, that's good for me to know that my actions can communicate something to someone else in the house. And, but I have to, again, have that awareness. Like when I'm feeling irritated with them, I have to go, what is that irritation? Um, you know what? It's because there's a message. I'm taking a message from their consistent refusal to do what I've asked as I don't value you. I don't love you. I don't care about you. You are here to serve me. And when I realize that's the message I'm picking up, then I can stop and, and validate it. Right. Hey guys, this is the message. This is the story I'm hearing in this interaction that's causing frustration in me. Is that the story you're intending for me to have? And then we all get to bring some awareness like, Oh no, I just, just didn't want to clean up, you know, well, it actually communicates something. And this is what I'm hearing. Can we give me a different story? You know? And so it's that mirrors and windows that my same friend coach Gary Williams um, taught me that my whole life I was living with mirrors. I thought everything that anyone said to me was a reflection of me. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, that's not a great reflection. But there's sometimes just windows. Like someone's letting us peek into their experience and I can go, Oh wow. It's special in your on the other side of that mirror window, like, I'm glad I don't live over there. Cheers <laughs> to you on your special playground. I'm going to stay on my playground. And then there's other people who have the right to hold up a mirror and, and be a, a reflection. I think in the healthy family dynamic, we get to do a lot of both, but we especially get to be those mirrors where we can pause and say, why am I so frustrated right now? Hmm. Oh, because this is communicating something to me and I'm responding to that message. But you did that day with your son, right? You walked in, you saw your wife and there was a message. What do you think it was? Do you, if you go back to that moment, what do you think you were hearing? As, like, I've asked them for four days to clean up and now my wife's doing it. 
very mixed messages because that's that's typically my wife who wants to protect the children who wants to to do things like that so i see that but what message did i hear well if your wife is protecting them i'm guessing from you so there could be a message like uh, i'm i'm seen here as a threat after all this work that i've done to try to not be a threat I'm still someone to be protected from. I don't know. I'm throwing stuff out yeah. there. No, no, you're quite, quite right. No, no. What I see is the trauma in my wife because she had a very strict yeah. uh, childhood. Um, so yeah. she was made to iron, clean, wash. And now for her, it's automatically the moment I, I put even yeah. the mildest pressure on my children. Uh, she gets triggered and says, yeah. no, 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 no. They're not your slave. And I say, they haven't done anything whatsoever. And oh no no but you know so there's her trauma filtering through um, there is shit from me filtering through and you just think ah <laughs> and it's very hard but it's these kind of things that you need to spell out so I don't know I cannot actually answer the, the question that you asked me what is the message that I heard I actually don't know I actually don't know it's a very confusing messages and I just thought actually no the message that I heard is I was I was again left alone. I was again again mm. I again felt that I can't rely on others when I really wanted to see actions that shout, Hey dad, it's okay. You're working so freaking hard. Uh we see that. Don't worry, we'll take care of that at least then you're there. I think that is the key message at the moment um, because I'm working at full capacity at every aspect in my life. There is no more, there's not much wiggle room left. So therefore it is sometimes hard to be, to work at that level and then come home and everything still is a mess and everyone else's mess. I feel I need to clean up. So I think that is that, that message that is happening in me here. That was like, I almost want to say like div divine inspiration. I don't even know. The fact that that just like fell on you and was so mm. deep beneath the surface. I, it's so powerful. And I know there's a thread there to your childhood messages that you had that there's not somebody there to take care of you. You have to be responsible for everything. And here you are now doing your best with what you've got. And then here that message comes and hits you again, mm. right? From your kids, from your wife, like, I can't rely on anyone. Mm. And of course your fist clenched up and your body filled up because you probably haven't been able to be practiced in recognizing the, the losses that you had in not being taken care of and having anyone to rely on young. And so the anger is what shows up. Like, I'm so tired of not having anyone to rely on. And I, that's so powerful. That was really powerful awareness. See guys, that's that is what is happening when you have an honest conversation with someone who is skilled and someone who is able to reflect what they see in you in a skillful way. This is a the sign of a of a really good coach. They ask the question that you then answer yourself and you come back with realizations where you think, boy oh boy. 
So, Marcy, you are good. Marcy, that was, that was beautifully done. And here I am. And, and damn it, this was now, we are talking close to an hour. Um, and it is, I've gone through a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I have, you have been incredibly outspoken. So this is a, this is, this is very, very powerful stuff. And I so want you guys out there to see what is happening here, to see how one hour can be incredibly traumatic, yet so revealing, yet so, so you really ripped uh, the band-aid off and you look at the wound underneath there and it is not pretty. There's some pus coming out and some blood coming out and yeah, it is so, so, so important. There is so much trauma happening in all of us and often enough we think we deal with it chances are we are not and we are just sort of burying it somewhere um so i'm sure most of us have got somewhere a very creaky old attic or a very spooky cellar where there are all these memories in there and i think regardless how old you are when these memories happen they are memories of your truth as you have seen it um for example my, my son saw that fist he didn't see my fear my my deep things within me that have caused that so it is so beautiful that he then challenged me later and, and said look here i've really felt threatened when you when you uh, when you shot me your fist and i had a chance to actually talk about that i'm not sure how much he has taken that in or how much he maybe saw it as an excuse or as something no, i don't trust you but i was honest and i was I at least gave my side of the story so i think in this case i want to stress the value of the communication of being honest and being being truthful looking in his eyes and say look this was my side of the story this is what happened to me and i think that is what what the, the key thing is when you when you deal with trauma like that uh, it is the the reconciliation it is the the making amends and the truth of that is that you that you come to try to find common grounds and sometimes that's hard and the only common ground that you find is actually that scenario that has occurred. But by you actually explaining your own truth, your own perceptions, the, what led to it might actually open up the healing and the sheer fact that you were explaining yourself yeah. is something maybe very, very new to you in your journey of healing. Maybe the sheer fact that you talk about your own emotions might have been something that you have never done before. So by you now speaking out about yourself openly, honestly, what's and all, is incredibly powerful. And that is what makes a real man. And I think there's all this, this toxic masculinity bullshit that we're that we were brought up with, man, oh man, we don't cry, that kind of bullshit. No, by us being honest and actually talking about our emotions, we can actually be role models and we can actually 
resolve conflict that is that has in this case occurred a week ago but there might be conflict that is 10 20 years ago that is still sitting there like a big elephant in the room and that you might actually by addressing it you might trigger a response in another person who says actually wow you didn't need to apologize you didn't need to bring that up that was 10 years ago but guess what it was still festering in my soul and the sheer fact that you are now talking about it telling me your side of the story and maybe apologizing and maybe maybe making amends is so powerful is so beautiful so that's, and I guess that is that is reflecting what you just said, Marcy. It is never too late. It is never too late to actually open up, and to to be honest, and to start this new life of you, exploring what is triggering you, what is what is moving you, what are the reasons why you feel the way you feel. In order to do so, you need to first of all figure out how do you feel. Um, so these bloody pesky emotions. So it is. It is something that we need to learn, and it is. There's a big, big journey waiting for for all of us out there who are starting to yeah. heal. And I think to that point too, like before we we even know what to call the feeling, which again I wasn't allowed to have feelings in my codependent role unless they were only very positive. So I'm learning how to recognize feelings, but. Even just going back to what am I hearing in this situation right now? What is the message that I'm, I'm hearing about who I am or, or how others feel about me? Like, even if I just bring my curiosity that far, I feel something. I don't know what to label it, but man, what, what am I hearing here? Sometimes that can actually lead me to understanding the feeling. You know, it might be that in the interaction I'm, um, well, someone, someone challenged me the other day saying that um, some, some things that I posted on Instagram were too harsh towards my husband, though I never name him. I don't, um, I'm sharing with other women my experience so that they can know they're not alone because I didn't know. Anyway, that's like a whole other thing. But I got this message and it normally might have knocked me out for a week, <laughs> you know, because I would have just seen it as a mirror. But this time I allowed it to just sit with me and to ask good questions about it. You know, first, what is, what am I tempted to hear? What story am I trying to make up or what message am I hearing from this person's words? And it was like, you know, you're hurting people. You're not doing a good enough job. Again, you're not enough, or maybe you're a bit too much. And that, if I don't stop to ask that, I'll just react. I'll just react defensively or, um, or like, oh my gosh, you're right. And I'll close down my Instagram account, right? Like I've done things like that in the past when someone had some kind of feedback, like, oh my gosh, they're right. I'm going to close it all down. <laughs> but this time I was able to sort of stop and ask myself those questions. Like what is actually true here? Okay. I hear this story. Is that true? And I was able to run that by some trusted friends. Like, this is the story I'm hearing or the message I'm picking up or the belief I'm tempted to integrate as a result of this person's words. Are any of these things true? And I knew those people would be honest. Like they would love me, but they would also say the truth. Mm. And it was such a helpful way to slow everything 
everything down, <laughs> get some healthy feedback, but also challenge myself. I'm not going to just let every story be true, right? Because what happens is that our brains, our survival mechanism in our brain, when we believe something or we, we nurture a thought, we actually feel it physically in our bodies as though it's true. We do that when we're reflecting on the past, when we're remembering, our body only knows how to be present. So we suddenly feel that in our bodies again. When we're fearing for the future, we feel that in our bodies right now as if that thing is happening. And that's true when we're celebrating, we're looking forward to something. We feel the excitement in our bodies right now. So I'm trying to now begin to filter what is allowed in and what isn't, being careful with the, the new messages that I integrate. Now, does that mean I didn't cry for two straight days and go on the roller coaster? Like, I'm a horrible person. No, I'm not. I didn't do anything. But am I blind? Is my blind spot? You know, I did the whole thing. I did the whole thing. Like, let's not. I did the whole thing, but I did it in two days instead of a week. And I didn't emotionally react. And I didn't walk away with new messages about myself or like reinforced messages about myself. I was able to practice the tools that I've been developing over the last years of running it by trusted people, of slowing down to ask, bring my curiosity. Like if nothing, bring your curiosity. Why do you feel anything right now? And it feels uncomfortable to you. I don't know what to label it, but I feel something uncomfortable. Why? What am I hearing in this moment? I'm hearing that I work hard and I'm tired and I shouldn't be tired. Being tired is for the week. <laughs> well, is that true? No, I'm human. Humans get tired. That's stupid, right? Like we can begin to let some of that subconscious stuff come into our awareness and then challenge it. Is that true or not true? And then we can, maybe you never then have to have the conversation with the other person because you realize it was you. Or maybe you do need to have the conversation with the person because they need some a mirror. <laughs> mm. Hey, you realize that when you communicate this way, it leaves space for a story like this. And I don't know if you intended for me to walk away from that with this story. So all that to say, to sum it up, I think it's okay if we don't know how to label our feelings yet, we can still recognize discomfort in ourselves or something that just feels yucky or out of sorts and begin to ask why, why, what is that? And you did it like at first you're like, I don't know how to answer that. And then bam, you had this like incredibly insightful mm answer and so I think we can start off with like I'm not going to know how to do that but if we really sit with it for a second we'll know our our body wants to communicate these things because we don't want to live with this ongoing sense of discomfort that we just react from versus slowing down to understand it in whatever way we can beautifully said the other thing that I actually want to stress that I found so valuable here that I will take away from this discussion is the use of the word story. It is not truth, it is not perception, it is not misperception, it is a story that someone puts together in their mind, their own story about what is happening right now. And to actually call it like that completely disarms any negative emotion that is being triggered. Your truth is different than mine. No, no, this is the truth. Or perception. No, this is more than a perception. And, and you know, these kind of negative immediately when you want to say, well, actually, the way you see things and I see things or have seen things in the past might be very different. Um, I couldn't bring that word or that thought that fact across in a recent discussion 
but now to the way to actually say, you know, the way you have said that invites me to create yeah. this kind yeah. of story. Yeah. And that is actually really powerful. That is really beautiful. Yeah. Wow. I think I got that language from Brene Brown in mm. her work. Where she, I remember her saying one time, like now with her husband, she'll say, I'm making up a story that the reason you didn't this or did that is this. And I've used that with my kids or with, with people like I'm making up a story right now that <laughs> the reason you're not cleaning the house is you think I'm your unpaid slave. And I, and I, and you're right. This arming is such a good word for it because now it's not, you make me feel or something that can come across attacky, right? Go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm saying yes, oh, yes, okay. yes, <laughs> yes, you are right. This is, mm-hmm. huh. Well, Marcy, we could talk for hours, you know that. We two are triggering each other in such a beautiful way. This is, wow, this is an amazing interview. Uh, Marcy, if, if people feel like me, they say, wow, what a woman. Um, where Where can they get hold of you what how is the best way to communicate with you yeah a great starting place is my website which is just my first and last name.com marcypc.com i've given two tedx talks on similar themes that we've talked about today Hmm. um, trauma and story so those are listed there that's a great um, way to learn more about some of the things i care about and get excited about Um, you can also reach out to me there i'm also on instagram uh, that's probably another good place at Marcy Marie. Um, yeah, I'm around, so mm, you can find me. A- and also on my website will pop up for you mm. a free guide for how to use story um, through a healing journey. And mm. so that's something that I get excited about is, is the power of story, not just how we've talked about it today, but actual stories like books or audio or media, whatever it is, on our brains. Our brains light up so uniquely when we receive story and then that integrates in our bodies in a really powerful way and so how then to use that information to aid our own healing um, is part of a guide that will pop up and so everyone can go grab that for free beautiful guys look down there in the description of the youtube video and of the podcast all her details are down there and whilst you're down there press that subscribe button And whilst you're pressing the subscribe button, you can think of one person who really you think, wow, this was a good interview. This person needs to hear that. Introduce them to my show because we've got so many fantastic guests and there are such powerful messages. There is not a single interview from which I don't walk away with a lot of, huh, I didn't realize that. It's beautiful. It was beautiful. To, I mean, Marcy, thank you. You gave me an hour of therapy for free. <laughs> you know, ultimately, that is what it is. An hour of me learning more about myself. And because of that, I won't stop anytime soon here with my show because I'm getting so much out of it. And I hope that, that you guys out there have the same feeling. Uh, it is, it is just, there's so much we can learn. There's so much we can, we can 
change in our own lives and and uh, please do small steps don't just think yes i will change everything nutrition my relationship my work i will <laughs> no 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 make small small steps yeah. but make them consistently and yeah. have a dream have a think who do you want to be and then make out of that dream make that a vision make that very clear who actually do you want to be in all little minute details and then make that vision a mission so now you can take small small steps go there go there towards that that mission vision and that is the new you and i'm on that path i know marcy is on that path we are by no means perfect hell no hell no we are growing as we are but you know we are just a few steps ahead of you guys so so come onto the journey uh be that new person just figure out who that person really is and then just let's make this world a little bit better hey cool marcy thank you so much for coming onto my show you're a marvelous guest i i'm i was honored to have you on my show uh, likewise, thank you for having me, but also for being willing to be vulnerable and to, to go to the deep places with me. The conversation was what it was because you were willing to bare your own soul in front of everybody mm. without warning. I, so mm. I just I so appreciate that you entered that with me. And, and again, that you've entrusted me with your audience because I know you're very protective and thoughtful of them as you oh. should be. And, and I feel honored. So thank you Absolutely. so much. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Stay strong. I believe in you. There is hope. Honestly, do not give up. There is hope. And it's up to you to take little steps of action. Bye. Dream on.